Hi, anyone and everyone. Welcome to Have You Heard About This Case. My name is Sam. And my name is Kelly. And today I'm going to bring you a case that I heard of a few years ago, and it, it truly just blew my mind. And it has a, a lot of similarities to our first episode for, about the Lane Bryant murders. Oh. But before we go too deep into that and I give you too many details, what's our question for today? Yes. Okay. The question for today is purposefully separate from this case and just interesting because our co-host Sam doesn't brag enough about herself. Oh, no. And we need to acknowledge that co-host Sam has done a ton of jobs. She has done everything. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. You've had so many jobs and you're knowledgeable in so many areas. What was your first job job or your favorite job? Pick one um, of those two. First oh or goodness. favorite. That's a really hard question to answer. Well, I think we've <laughs> discussed this a little bit before with my first job. I worked at an ice cream shop in my hometown when yes. I was 14. Yeah. We um, did talk about that. That's why I said, like, maybe favorite, too. Yeah, we I'm did trying to talk think of a little bit about favorite, because I've, I've had so many jobs. One, okay, one really random job that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I, I grew up in an area that has a lot of tourism, and it's, it's middle of the woods, so it's a lot of, like, cabins and things. So I worked with a resort mm. cleaning cabins. And it was interesting for like a couple hours on Saturday mornings and I got paid really, really well. And it was just like really relaxing cleaning. <laughs> That's all oh, this so you, job so was. You just, so you just went in and like made up the rooms in for the cabin guests? Yeah, I would change out all of the laundry and then vacuum and like clean the counters Ooh, and the kitchen I, and the bathrooms. And it was just like, you did it alone. You just get your headphones on. And yeah. for like three to four hours on a Saturday morning, you just go in and clean. Yeah. And I got paid really, See, I, really well. <laughs> yeah. And I bet you know how to fold a mean hospital corner on your bed. Oh yeah. We, we did like, it was, it was individual cabins. We had about six or seven of those. And then we had a big lodge that we would clean. Um, so Ooh. I was, I was, I was doing a lot, <laughs> but it was, I yeah, enjoyed that lot. job. It was just like quiet, beautiful Wisconsin Northwoods mornings. You got all the windows mm -hmm. open in all the cabins and it was right on a lake. It was great. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds awesome. What about one of your favorite jobs? Okay. So favorite, my first is funnier. But it's stupid. I was a face painter at an Arby's in my town. It still, no still just blows my mind. Why, why do they have face painters? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm telling this story, Sam. You already knew this about me. I'm telling this story to God and everyone. That, yes, I was a face painter at Arby's. They decided I would come in every Saturday and paint children's faces. I don't know why. And eventually they were like, you have to clean the dining room because I'm just sitting back there because nobody <laughs> is like, I should go to Arby's to get my face painted. Exactly. And was that like an event job, thing or was it oh, that was like, that was your job? It started as an event thing. I was trying to get volunteer hours 
to get into the National Honor Society, which I still didn't get into so they can go... They can eat butts because I'm not in school anymore and I don't care what they think. I deserved it. I painted so many faces. I did so many volunteer hours and extracurriculars and they still didn't get me. Like they they would do the thing like sororities do in college where they tap you on the shoulder and they pull you out of class and you have like your first NHS meeting. Oh, really? I never even attempted. Yes. That that wasn't my world back in the day. All... All of that, all of that face painting, all of that was fully to further my chance of getting into National Laundry Society, and it didn't even matter. It, I sat at the back of that Arby's for so long. I started reading, and they told me I couldn't read in the, ba- in the back because it, I don't know. <laughs> I truly don't know. Like, what does it make your RB seem threatening that I'm reading To Kill a Mockingbird here? I'm very confused. No, your so manual labor. <laughs> you, you gotta get so out had, there. Yeah, they said Kelly has to clean the dining room because she ain't doing crap. Uh, <laughs> so that was a very weird job. And my favorite job was a keychain since uh, apart from the job we met at we met at a wonderful yes, place we, we did a very good job apart from that my favorite job was david's tea all right oh, yeah. you've told me about all, that you loved david's tea all r.i.p all david's tea in america because the pandemic they closed every store in america so now i have to get it shipped from canada and what we used to do is take, we had these huge, we had a tea wall, they called it, and there was about uh, 30 to 50 teas, huge tins of them on the walls. And people would come in, and each tea had a sniffer lid, so you could smell what the tea smelled like before mm-hmm. you bought a cup of it, which I think is, yeah, I think it's such a good idea. And now I have to go on the internet, and I can't smell any of the tea. Oh, sad. And I haven't... I haven't found a spot to replace it yet. So if anybody in Chicago knows like a loose leaf place where they let you smell it first, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, I can't come up with any off the top of my head, but I'm also I'm a coffee I, person. I'm not as much of a tea person. You are. You are. I'm and actually drinking coffee right now. Of, so that's funny. I'm drinking a Red Bull. <laughs> um, there's a lot of tea places like loose leaf tea places i just haven't seen one that's like you actually smell the tea before you try it that seems like such a basic thing Um, but i guess as a somebody who's not a tea drinker that just it makes sense to me but i don't know like no i mean those stores have something different i don't know I'm a huge tea drinker, too, and I'm like, I don't know how y'all are going to set up this store if I can't smell anything first, because that's the way to sell a larger quantity of tea, like a a bag of it, take me home with it instead of just a cup of it. And tea just smells so good. I love the smell of tea. It does smell. I love it so much. I love tea. I I could go on and on. My mom, my mom worked in a tea shop. My grandma read tea leaves. Like I could talk about tea for this whole episode, but I don't want to be- delay you. Yeah, I could do that with coffee because I, I worked in multiple yeah. coffee shops. I could mm-hmm. easily do that with coffee. 
Um, but yeah, this is this is going to be a pretty grim case. Um, I will tell okay. you Just off the top that it is unsolved. Um, okay. And it's grim it's it's very dark so just okay. warning right now so um yep heads so up people yes um like i don't know if there's going to necessarily be a specific trigger warning other than like brutality um yeah violent trigger warning graphic violence exactly you know, that, yeah that, i think that's all we can do but today we will be talking about the Below Grocery Store murders in Windsor, North Carolina. And this takes place in 1993. And I'm I'm honestly just blown away that this doesn't get much coverage. I I heard about it randomly, well like not randomly, but I was watching um I think it was Lord and Arts on YouTube. Um he covered mm. it. And mm. Um, I found one or two podcasts since then that have covered it, but it's just, it blows my mind and you'll, we'll get to why I think, I think you'll have the same yeah. view as I do. Um, and we don't yeah, have you a, told me you had to do, you I had to do a, do a real deep dive. You had to do a real deep dive on this one. You told me before we hit record. Yeah. And there's not a ton of details and that, that's why I had to like try to really dig and mm-hmm. that might be why people aren't really covering it, but I still think there's a lot of conversation to be had with it, which is why I really want to bring it up. And mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of learn about the area a little bit to start off with. And so Windsor, according to the 1990 mm-hmm. census, the population was just about 2,300. And okay. today... It's still a very small town with a population of uh, 3,350 people. And mm-hmm. I grew up in an incredibly small town. My town had mm-hmm. about, was a little bit bigger than this one. It had about 3,500 in 1990. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel fairly comparable to it. I, I feel like I kind of yeah. know okay. the general okay. sense of the area. Um, and Windsor okay, is so, only oh, wait, 2.8 I... square miles. It's tiny. Oh, wow. That's really yeah. I was gonna say, wait a minute. That's small for all those people. <laughs> so, um, your hometown is similar to the 1990 census or to the current population? It's more similar to the current. It had a little over a thousand more people okay. in 1990. So okay, so thank pretty you. That, close. That just gives me that just gives me a little more visibility on the. Size yeah, you've of seen my hometown. I know, yeah, I know about it. And geographically, uh, my hometown just, is a, t- a lot bigger just spread out mm-hmm. a lot further yeah. than Windsor is. Um, Vacation I, homes, lakes, exactly. lots of space. Yeah, Windsor yeah. doesn't seem to and, have that sort of yeah. tourism that my town does. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. I think that's a big factor in its overall geographical size. Yeah, and could be a factor in the lack of coverage, too. Potentially. I still think even with what happened, the lack of coverage blows my mind, but we'll, we'll, okay. we'll get okay. to that. Um, we'll get there. So we'll be focusing the story on the Below grocery stores in this town, Windsor. And I wanted to, again, try to check out what this store was. Um, I believe it was locally owned. I don't think it was a chain. And mm-hmm. I've I never did, heard of it. So. Well, there, there's another set of stores. Um, I'm not sure. I might not have even mm-hmm. put them in my notes. Oh, I do. I have a little further in my notes here. Um mm-hmm. 
but I was I was trying to figure out if it was locally owned or a chain, and I did find another chain called Bilo in okay, North Carolina. Okay. So not not far. Um, but those are two okay, separate they... stores. Bilo is a chain of grocery stores. Bilo is something okay. completely different. I think okay. it's just its own separate grocery store. Okay. But either way, small town grocery store obviously just serves the whole community. Likely everyone in town mm-hmm. would go to this one grocery store in town. Mm-hmm. And it's probably mm-hmm. a, a pretty big employer. And growing up in a small town, mm-hmm. I totally mm-hmm. get that. We, we had two grocery stores, which we, yeah. we serve such a huge geographical area um, where I grew up that we that needed to. That is wild. But, um, yeah, you need to. You need to. <laughs> so that just kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of kind of how this town functions and how important this store is mm-hmm. to the community. Right. Right. That there's only... Is it the only... I'm sorry. Did you say that? It's, I believe it, it is. It was hard store? for me to find out historically, like in this time period, if it was the only one. Right. <laughs> um, I believe it was. But I will say, I do know after all of this, it closed shortly after. Um, okay. So uh, something either moved in or there was another town not too ter- terribly far away that was able to serve the community. Mm hmm. Okay. And, just and I can I can also say, like growing up in a small town, I know I talk about this a lot because this is my experience. But mm-hmm. when you go to the grocery store, you're always running into people that you know. <laughs> like uh. always. <laughs> Even today, I have I've almost I've been in Chicago for almost eleven years. In a couple of months it'll be my eleven year anniversary living here. Oh. And I still will go back home. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'll still go back home and I will run into people if I were to go home right now and go to the grocery store. (laughs) Like you'd run into someone like every time, every single time I go to a store, I run into someone I went to high school with, someone that I just know from town, a teacher, like always. Oh God. Okay. I know that that's like the beautiful thing about a small town and community is a wonderful thing. But there, if I went into the Target at my hometown and saw somebody I went to high school with, I would turn around and leave. <laughs> there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> like, yeah, you just kind of need to, like, like do, do the nice pleasantries if you don't want to actually have oh, a conversation. Because um, half the time, yeah. they're also, like, I, my area is a lot of the people, ha- like, they get the job at the grocery store. Well, then they move up in the grocery store. And so it's, like, the people mm-hmm. who were... Yeah baggers when i was in high school well now they're managers and so it's like you run into the grocery store and they're still there (laughs) because that's just that's 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 how the jobs work in that town so it's like yeah you're you're gonna run into somebody for sure (laughs) yeah and i do get that that's part of the beauty of a small town like Mm -hmm. it does serve serve as like a great community builder and all of that i am just an (laughs) anti-social mean city person who wants to walk by you with my headphones on but see i love that i have both worlds like at my disposal i can be in chicago and be anonymous or i can go back home and know everybody (laughs) But it even, yeah, it even says more about this crime that it, you know, was exactly. a community place, yeah, where everybody would go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I wanted to kind of put that forward as you kind of hear mm-hmm. about all these details, 
kind of keep that in the back uh, of your mind and how shocking this is all going to be. Okay, okay. So on the evening of Sunday, June 6th, 1993, the Below grocery store was closing early that night at 6 p.m. Um, because there was going to be a cleaning crew coming in to wax the floors. And again, I've worked retail for many, many years. This is a pretty common thing, either cleaning or inventory audits, mm-hmm. audits or remerchandising. Um, typically, yeah. you want the store closed mm. so customers aren't in the way. And then that you're not in the way of your customers. Um, so this mm. is a very common thing. I've, I've been through this a lot in my, as you brought up, many, many different jobs mm-hmm. I've had in my life. Yeah, and me too. I worked retail for a while. A lot of the time you got to just close early, lock those doors, and then change everything on that floor. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You don't want to be in the way of the customer and the customer in your way will you have a giant rack of anything <laughs> exactly and i can also tell you a majority of the time the customers just don't care if you're if yeah no. they're in mm-hmm. your way <laughs> um no, and I, I put a little no. psa in here as somebody who has worked retail for 20 plus years now <laughs> um at, just be nice to retail workers and restaurant workers Please. the jobs are made so much more difficult by unkind people Please and sometimes you just nice got to do what them. you got to do as a retailer, even if it's slightly in the customer's yeah. way. You never want to do it, but you, it's your job. You have to. Please be nice. Right. Just, just throwing nice. that out there into the world. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. This, we need that kindness in the world, especially for retail and restaurant oh, goodness, workers. we do. Because I never, I never worked food, I, and I consider myself lucky. I did my time in retail we all do our time and man just be nice to retail workers because it's such a pain in the ass but i imagine food is even worse so be nice to them and tip your waiter if you can't tip your waiter you don't get to go out to dinner yes i agree with that too so mini psa in the middle Mm -hmm. of this episode Yeah, um, that's all. Let's get back to the Below store. Um, okay. Grover Lee Cecil Jr., who went by Bud, he arrived at the store at 6 p.m. so that he could oversee this cleaning crew. He was the store manager. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Bud entered the store and he saw Joyce Coburn Reason at the catch register checking out some of the last customers of the day. And Joyce, mm-hmm. had, I think she'd been an employee there for a couple of years. Um, They had a good relationship. And so Bud walked through the store to let the remaining customers know that they were closing early and that they should start heading towards the register. And Mm -hmm. as the customers were were leaving, the cleaning crew arrived. And this cleaning crew consisted of four men, uh, Johnny Rankins, Sylvester Welch, who he, he often went by Tony. So we'll be referring to him as Tony in this. Um, Jasper Hardy and then Jasper's brother Thomas Hardy okay so Bud greets this cleaning crew and locks the doors behind them and then shortly Mm -hmm. after locking the doors a man appears inside the store and Bud had thought that this was a customer who he didn't see or hear when Bud was walking around telling people that it's closing time Mm -hmm. and yeah he was un- exactly unsure of where this man really came from, 
But it became apparent to Bud that he actually wasn't a customer. And it's believed that this man purposely hid in the store until the doors were locked before coming out of hiding. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is my... Oh, my God. I Like, I'm having retail flashbacks, and this yeah, is my actual right? nightmare. This yeah. is so scary. It, it, and I think Bud. about that as well, too. Like, I've... I've worked stores yeah. alone when you're, for many years when you're um, locking up when you're locking up alone like this is a nightmare and i used to work in a mall where i'd have to like put down that gate and it's like mm-hmm, i just think about mm-hmm. it in that aspect like you can't just run out a door you have to lift the gate <laughs> like this is terrifying right see absolutely i terrifying. was always i was always scared because i only got promoted to being like a key holder at david's tea where i had to count down the registers and all the front of David's tea was glass and I mm-hmm. used to be terrified when I was counting down the registers that somebody was going to smash through the glass on the door above the handlebar come in and take the money like yep. this is this this is exactly the nightmare that any worker faces oh god yeah I've been a retail manager for I don't even know how many years at this point Um, And we had such strict protocols because of things like this, where it was like there were certain like safes that we had to get into that were time locked that you could only get into certain times of the day that couldn't be accessed Mm. at opening and closing because Mm -hmm. like this could happen. Um, So, yeah, yeah, this is terrifying. So so Bud realizes this man is not a customer and it's at this point that this man brings out from his pocket a 45 caliber handgun. Oh. And he tells Joyce and Bud to go to the front of the store and give him all of the cash mm-hmm. from the registers. Okay. And okay. this gate was about $3,000 that he was able to get from the registers. Wow. wow. And so after they emptied the registers... This man directed Bud and Joyce to walk to the back of the store. And he walked behind both of them with the gun just inches from Bud's back. And on their way to the back. So Jasper, one of the cleaning crew members, saw Bud and Joyce walking to the back of the store with this stranger. And Bud Uh instructed Jasper to do whatever the man said and Bud said, quote, he means business. So Bud's just trying to get everyone to be compliant so that this can be over and done with as fast as possible. Yeah, he's trying to protect them. He's doing he's doing like what he should be doing. And I'm so Mm -hmm. scared for him. So he's doing exactly everything right. He is. Bud's really trying to protect the crew Everyone who's there, mm-hmm. um, he, he just he mm-hmm. knows if you are compliant, you are more likely to walk away unscathed. Right. Just give him money. Just give him money. Mm-hmm. So Jasper joins Bud and Joyce on their way to the back of the store. And two of the other cleaning members were also kind of wrangled by the suspect on their walk back. And... Oh he told the two store employees and the three cleaning crew members to stand by the meat counter back by the deli. Uh And he asked where the fourth cleaning crew member was. So this is something that's very interesting to me that I think uh, Uh, might as well point out now. 
Um, he either knew that there were four cleaning crew members. They would like they knew that that was planned to be in the store that night, and that there would be two store employees at the time. Which makes me wonder if he potentially ha- any of them had a connection to this man, or if he was in the store observing long enough to see all of these people in there, and he knew because of that. Yes, that is in it. That is as soon as you said that he said where was the fourth cleaning crew member that's the first thing i thought like oh my gosh he knew he had to have known in some way and there's a few different ways he could have known in some way exactly how did he know Mm -hmm. and so while he was walking his hostages back to the the deli in the back of the store he made sure to go down a very specific aisle while doing this and it was the pet aisle And while doing this, he grabbed a few leashes off the shelves. And then they just kept walking back to the meat counter. And he forced each employee to tie up the other one at gunpoint, one by one, using dog leashes and some tape that he brought along. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He clearly had that plan Uh, to go down that aisle to grab these leashes. Wow, and he knew which aisle too. He, like had, he had probably he, been lurking. He had probably been lurking in there. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure how closing. large this store was. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. pictures of the exterior, and it doesn't look I mean, tiny. I think if you have a pet aisle, I think you're usually a pretty big store. Because mm, I, with Arthur, I'm, I'm usually I'm usually looking for a. a dog or pet aisle and if there's no dog or pet aisle i consider it like a smaller store i think it really depends um, on kind of what else is available in the community i I actually had friends growing up um in a town that was not it was close to mine but it, it wasn't my town i had friends who their parents owned the one grocery store in town and it was very small it was it was a whole yeah. lot smaller than any grocery store here. It was kind of um, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison. It, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to it's it's probably the size of like a really large yeah, retail yeah. store. Um, yeah, but I like they had pet horrifying. stuff. They had like anything that was a they need the town really needed. Yeah. It's just horrifying that, like, he forced them to tie each other with dog Mm -hmm. leashes. Because if you guys don't have a dog, those things are indestructible. Like, it it doesn't even matter which leash he... They're meant to be, like, pulled. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't matter which leash he even grabbed. Even if he grabbed a leash for... My dog, Arthur, is medium-sized dog. He's about 20 five pounds and you could still grab his leash and you couldn't break it you couldn't it would resist pulling of any kind exactly and it would be like on especially if it was tied once it's like tied that thing still has a knot in it that i can't get out (laughs) right so that is that is very 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 scary It's, it's terrifying and, and through so all, all of this, this suspect was very calm. He, he came mm-hmm. in. He clearly seemed to have a plan. 
and he didn't veer from it. He knew what he wanted. He he knew that he wanted to ask for that money first and then walk everyone back to the, mm-hmm. the back under the store by the deli. And he now informed the six hostages that he was a former police officer and that he had been fired for some issue after some issues with a drug deal that had gone bad. And this meant he had nothing to lose. What? That's that's what he told his hostages. Oh, my God. Okay, so you might have to put a pin in this, but do you buy that he was a former police officer? We'll talk about it. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll have that conversation. But cool we'll put a pin in it but also that is so scary that someone would tell you well they they have nothing to lose in almost any scenario the phrase i have nothing to lose is a terrifying statement oh absolutely yeah let alone when someone has you tied up at gunpoint Mm -hmm. and just wait there (laughs) this is the tip the iceberg so yeah After all six people were bound at both their wrists and their ankles, the suspect stacked these victims. He had them lay all on the ground, essentially in three piles. And each pile had two people, one on top of the other. What? Okay, sorry, go on. (laughs) It's, it's, it's like, it just is crazy. I I've never, ever heard that. I, I totally understand why you wanted to cover this case, because I've never, ever heard anything it's like so that. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. And it's like, I'm kind oh. of like laughing because it makes me very uncomfortable. Like it's, It just... It's it, really like it hard to like think about. It just confuses me. It's a, it's a strange... Uh, I don't want to... I, I hate what's about to happen... But it's a strange way to commit the crime that yes. I'm sure is about to happen. And, uh, that is there's going to be a lot more weird. strange things for us to talk about coming up here. Okay. Okay. And while it doesn't look like the quote was remembered exactly word for word, the suspect said something along the lines of, God forgive me for what I'm about to do. Which that following the I have nothing to lose... Oh. oh, God, yeah, that is so scary. And also, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm sorry. Like, that is, stop, stop, stop shielding yourself with your religion for doing horrible things. That oh, is it's, it's, it's going to get so, worse. It's going to get worse. Oh, no. Oh, no. So it's at so this he point. Says, God, God yeah. forgive me. God forgive uh, oh, me God. for what I'm about to do. And at this point the suspect fires one bullet into each two-person stack. Blood and Joyce, um, they were both on top of their stacks, and both of them were shot in the head. And Johnny Rankins, who was a member of the cleaning crew, he was shot in the back. So, So all three of them are on top of these piles. And Tony right, Welch, because so there's two, because there's there's two people in each pile. Exactly. So there's three piles, mm-hmm. and he shot into the head in one pile, into two and then piles. into the back, into into two. Okay, okay, yeah. and then into the back of the third pile. Oh my exactly. god. Exactly. 
And Tony Ooh, Welch sorry, was on. on the bottom of one of these stacks. And I'm not sure which one. All I really know for sure is who was on top of each pile. Um, right. But he was injured with one of the bullets that fully passed through the person on top of his pile. So oh, we have four, four injuries now. Two, two people shot in the head. And one person shot in the back one, and then someone and Tony who I don't know exactly where the bullet penetrated him, but it mm-hmm. went through the person who was on top of him. I'm assuming this is just strictly my assumption, but I'm assuming it was Johnny since he was shot in the back. That that oh, could okay. have been so, yeah. Tony underneath him. But I, I, I don't know. That's my own speculation. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Like. That is horrifying. This is horrifying. It, it really one is. Of the people, if I don't know what's to come, but I am only coming from my knowledge of what I have right now, which is if I were on the bottom of one of these stacks and the person above me got shot in the head. And I survived. I don't know if anyone survives because that bullet might just pass right on through. But yes, that's why I'm not sure injury. exactly who was on top of Tony because it could have been um, Bud yeah. or Joyce, and he could have a, a graze wound on it, his head. I don't know. It's just so it's horrifying to imagine the people on the bottoms experience, like being oh, covered absolutely. in that person's blood and potentially brain matter and like oh god it's so horrifying and also again so weird such a weird mo it is and we'll talk about it more in depth coming up here because there's there's some interesting stuff that uh, it it's worth conversation and that's why i'm surprised that this hasn't been talked about because there's a lot of conversation that i think can be had from this crime um, mm-hmm. But it's not terribly clear exactly what happened during the fourth gunshot. Either the gun mm-hmm. jammed or uh. the suspect ran out of bullets. Not mm-hmm. entirely sure. And again, again the suspect is okay. remaining very calm through all of this. And this is the moment he started to see a little bit of frustration and again, that's why I'm like, I'm not sure if it jammed or if he ran out of bullets. But mm-hmm. at this point, yeah, he pulled off the three people who are on the top of the stacks. So everyone was lying on the floor again, face down. And we oh, know man. at this point, Bud, Joyce and Johnny have all been killed. Oh, no. Or they're minimally in the process of bleeding out. But it's. It's a very Absolutely, short matter yeah. of time if they haven't been killed already, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Tony is injured, oh, no. but he is still alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all I could find out about his bullet wound is it was the same bullet who killed on top of him. Kind of, as I mentioned before, um, I don't oh. know where it hit him. I, I don't know uh, much I beyond that. Smart. I think you were smart in what your guess was, which was he was maybe underneath the pile of people, humans. I I hate saying pile. And I know so it's hard. like I was I was writing but the he, script, but I'm like it's the uh, only he, way to like accurately there's describe no other it. Way. Yeah, 
there's no other way, but it may, it would make sense that he was in the one that got shot in the back. Mm-hmm. Johnny. Like you, like you, like you said, I think you're, I think you're right. It just makes the most sense. Ugh. Like, yeah. as much as I hate to say it, like, He's picturing it, it makes the most sense. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. So, and then Jasper and Thomas Hardy, who are the brothers, they're physically mm-hmm. unharmed. I'm sure that obviously they're, okay. they're through some major mental distress right now, but physically they oh have God. not been injured. And Do we know if they were, I'm sorry to interrupt again. Go ahead. Do we know if they were under some of these people? Or yes, if they, they would have been. Together? So it would have been Tony, they were under- Jasper and Thomas on the bottom and then Joyce, okay. Bud and Johnny on the top. And that's, okay. that's, Okay. Why now, um, Bud? The two brothers are alive. The two brothers are alive, unharmed. But and, that's also why yeah. we know that um, mm-hmm. Bud, Joyce, and Johnny were all killed quickly mm-hmm. because they were on the top. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who who suffered those bullet wounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, the suspect left the six hostages alone for a moment. And when he returned, he had a large butcher knife. He then approached Thomas and asked if Thomas would report him to the police. Thomas said no. (laughs) But the suspect said he didn't believe him. And then he started to stab him in the back and the neck. Oh, my God. And up until this point, there have been multiple notes that this guy remained very calm like all of the different articles i read everything was like he was cool calm and collected but this Uh was either something that went wrong in his plan or he just had a moment Mm -hmm. of anger throughout all of this i don't know exactly yeah but like this is where it showed his rage at this point yeah yeah to be stabbing someone in the neck and in the back like that is such scary rage to be yeah, possessed by. Exactly. And to me, it seems like this, he, he had is... a, um, he, he had something with his gun. I think his gut, something went wrong with his gun. And again, I'm not sure if that it's that he was, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if it ran out of bullets or if it jammed. Cause that's, it's just very unclear in all of the reporting. <laughs> yeah. So like his rage was so, so extreme at this point that as he was stabbing Thomas, the knife actually broke off in his back so that the blade was oh stuck there and he was left holding the handle. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is at, ins- Oh my God. It, this case just keeps getting like crazier and crazier. And it's, it, that's oh. why I'm so blown away that it's just not talked about. Yeah. This is, this is violent and horrible. It, it really Why is. Why have I never heard about this? I, I don't know. But at this point, he has no functioning gun. He broke the knife yeah. and he still has one victim oh. who was uninjured. And so oh. and that's Jasper. So Jasper just mm-hmm. literally saw his brother being brutally oh. stabbed after he, being asked if he would tell the police. Oh, my God. So once the his suspect brother... turns... Exactly. And once the suspect turns towards Jasper, he immediately said that he didn't get a great look at him because remember, he's he's lying down 
face down mm-hmm. and he's bound. Yeah. And yeah, he it unfortunately doesn't have the ability to tell the police a whole lot. So it's like huh. throughout all of this whole situation, he can say like, yes, this and this happened, but I can't give you the best description. But the suspect turns towards Jasper and says, quote, I'm going to let you live, big man. You're going to be a hero. <gasps> what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, it's, it, what? it's terrifying. This sounds like it is a movie. This does? This, it this really does. Like, this sounds like you are describing the plot to me of a John Wick movie. <laughs> right? It like, does. This is this is insanity, and and to tell this man, oh, you're going to be a hero when it's like, motherfucker, you just violently stabbed my brother in front of me. I watched him. I don't know if does he survive or did he bleed out. Well, we'll find out. Stabbing. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> There's but more either to way, it. Either way. Either way, he said, you're going to be a hero when you just watch this dude stab your brother. Like, yeah, fuck exactly. And so after he told, told Jasper this, he silently grabbed the money that he took from the registers, the handle of the broken knife, and the keys to the store, and he just left. Just calmly, collectedly <laughs> grabbed stuff and just walked out the door. <laughs> like, what? As if he didn't just brutally attack his brother yeah. and shoot these other people in this truly right. horrific he, way. Yes, as if he didn't commit five brutal murders in the span of, like, it sounds like not that long. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like minutes to me. Uh, Maybe 20 minutes yeah. max, but it doesn't sound like it was a long period of time. Which makes me feel a lot of feelings because I feel so bad for these victims, but I really hope it w- it all happened really quickly. Mm-hmm. Because I I I can't imagine the suffering and the f- well, and the fear. Think about like, it I, too. We we had our first episode. We talked about the Lane Bryant murders, and they're very mm-hmm. different cases, but there's so many similarities with this. Mm-hmm. That it's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of mind-blowing that there's two cases that are kind of like this. That were, yeah. what, yeah. 15 years apart or so? That was, I think it was 2008 was Lame Bryant. And this is 93, mm-hmm. so. So yeah, that's 15 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So after the suspect wow. left, Tony Welch, who was the one who was on the bottom of the stacks and was still shot... Um, he was able to loosen wow. the duct tape that was binding his hands and his feet. Um, because oh my gosh, I forgot the... about the... Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about the duct tape. I forgot he duct taped mm-hmm. them too. Yeah, I don't oh know if he duct taped all of them. Um, or if some had leashes and some had duct tape, or they all had both. I'm honestly not too sure. Um, wow, but it doesn't really was... matter. It's still scary. Exactly. Um, but he was able to loosen this duct tape because of the amount of blood actually like loosened the adhesive um oh god yeah so 
I'm not entirely sure if he was able to fully remove the duct tape from both his hands and his feet. Um, or if he did this because of his injuries, like I'm, I'm just, I'm not entirely sure exactly what happened here, but he was able to drag mm-hmm. himself all the way from the back of the store, which was close to the back room in the deli and the meat counter all the way to the front of the store by the registers to reach the phone to call for help. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like it always like it, it, the tenacity and the, the love of life and need for justice and pursuit of your own happiness that brings this unhuman strength to people that they can do this like is right. remark it's remarkable it's it's good for tony right it, it's it, mind-blowing you know we have yeah good for tony because the faster the cops get there the faster something happens who knows mm-hmm. exactly and as the police arrived at the grocery store, they saw just a truly gruesome scene. Um, oh, yeah. There was, they, they first really noticed the blood trail that was caused by Tony that clearly showed a path from the back room all the way up to the registers. And once they got into this, like, back room deli area, they could see, clearly see the three people that were shot were dead on arrival. Um, which is why I, was, I wasn't exactly sure, like, if they all uh, immediately died. But by the time police arrived, um, which doesn't seem like was terribly long after, um, it, it could have I can understand it potentially taking Tony a while to get to the front. I don't unfortunately have that information. Um, I think just the yeah. fact that he did is is remarkable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, I. I can't believe that I really hope it was quick. Me I too. really hope it was quick. And so I really they, hope they, they didn't f- have to wait till the cops got there. Right. For them to be, yeah. Oh, sorry. I feel like I really bonded with like just this guy nicknamed with nickname bud. <laughs> right. Who just worked at the grocery store. Like I, I liked bud. I wanted, but like, but I knew what was happening, what was going to happen. And yeah. I've watched a handful of news, <laughs> clips um with bud's daughter and it just it breaks your heart it really breaks your heart seeing some of that because she she was quite young um when this all oh, happened no. and so um it was what 30 years um this last year uh, this yes. last june was 30 yeah, years i'm old <laughs> right. yeah i'm old 93 will be 30 years <laughs> yeah so um they did a lot of local news coverage for the 30 year anniversary mm-hmm. of these deaths and mm-hmm. um, they interviewed her. So she was, she was on the news quite a bit this last summer wow. discussing it. How brave, how brave right? of her. And so Bud, Joyce and Johnny are pronounced dead on arrival. And mm-hmm. as we know, they were the three that were shot on top of the stacks. And even though Thomas was, very brutally stabbed multiple times and the knife had broken off in his back. He was still alive when police arrived. So Tony and Thomas were immediately rushed to the hospital in critical condition. 
Okay. 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 So Thomas is is in critical condition as well. Yes. Okay, and I'll tell been, you right okay. now. Sorry. Tony and Thomas survived. Are... I will. I will oh, tell you okay. that right now. So and and, and then uh, Tony... along with Jasper, who's un, uninjured. And Tony is Jasper's brother, right? Thomas is Jasper's brother. Or Thomas brother. is? Okay. Tony I'm is sorry, Sylvester, the and they go, he goes by Tony. Sorry, the the, T, the double T names were just throwing me off. Um, yes. But, oh my God, I can't believe that Thomas even was still in critical condition. That's a miracle. Well, that's why I, I think that how I, many times. I think Tony had, I think Tony was able to get to the front fairly quickly because yeah yeah i think that uh, it also kind of depends on exactly where thomas was stabbed i don't have that information um the knife Mm -hmm. being stuck in his back could have actually been what saved his life um that's definitely Mm. a possibility because if if you pull a knife out of a wound what do you think that way yeah oh um, okay so what do you think tell me more about that sorry why it yeah you pull the if you left the, if you pulled the knife out of the wound, yeah, it would bleed more. And because yeah. it broke off, the blade was still inside his back. Exactly. Okay. And it could have I'm sorry. prevented excessive blood loss. Like, obviously, it, yes. there still is excessive yes. blood loss. But it could have been much more life-threatening right. if that blade was pulled out. So, it, I, like, right. this is me, re- okay. pure speculation on my part. I'm just, okay. few things I know I just, medically I, about this sort of stuff, that makes sense to me. What I didn't... What I didn't remember or understand was that even though the blade, even though that he broke the blade off, he had the blade handle in his hand, that the blade was still in there, of mm-hmm. course. Yep. So that, you're right, it probably did, it probably did stop some of the, some of the probably torrential bleeding. Oh, God. Yeah. And during the investigation of the scene, fingerprints were taken. Unfortunately, I found no details about this. Um, I imagine that has to be incredibly difficult at a place like a grocery store. Um, yeah, so, lots of lots of prints. Yeah, so I do know they took fingerprints. There might not be anything to do with them because who knows how many they would have gotten and from how many mm-hmm. different people just shopping throughout the day. And, you know, people aren't cleaning those boxes and like everything on the shelves every day. Right. Who knows? Right, that could have been fingerprints from last yeah. week. Like, I, who, like, right? Yeah. So, so I'm not entirely that sure. That would be that would be very easy to argue in court if if they pop someone. But I know you already told me, which yeah, I'm waiting to talk about. <laughs> I'm um, waiting to talk about. But yeah. Yeah, I do, based on some of the wording in the articles, and I unfortunately didn't put it in my script, and I also wrote this script a couple weeks ago, so I don't remember exactly off the mm-hmm. top of my head, but I I got the impression that there was potentially fingerprints taken from the blade of the knife, maybe closer to the handle, mm-hmm. but honestly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, again, just speculation. Just kind of the wording mm-hmm. made me think that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I th- a big part of it is I think that would be really difficult to determine if they were the suspects or not. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. yeah. one of the spots where you'd be more likely to say, yes, this, this belonged to the suspect, especially if uh-huh. it's in blood or something. 
we don't know. Right. We don't have that actual information. Mm-hmm. And um, shoe prints were also taken. And they were okay. able to determine two sets of prints. And they were able to mm-hmm. rule one of those sets out as an EMS responder. So that okay. really left uh. one other unknown set of prints. Mm-hmm. And this is, right. I believe these shoe prints were in blood. So it's like, obviously, you know mm-hmm. that it has to yeah, be the suspect exactly. or responders. It has to be. Yeah, it has mm-hmm. to be. That if it's not the EMS, then it has to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and investigators were also able to take DNA. And I'm unsure mm-hmm. if he cut himself to leave his DNA or if it's trace evidence mm-hmm. DNA. Um, all I could really mm-hmm. find was just DNA. And again, this is 1993. I, DNA is in its infancy at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very infancy. Mm-hmm. But they, and I they imagine... Obviously... I, I get why they looked, though, because when that blade snapped, you know, it could have caught him. Well, it's too. also just a I, common I kinda... thing in a stabbing where the suspect cuts themselves because Cuts, yeah. you, you, you're the bullet. It's not just the blade that's going to get covered with blood, especially when you're using a large knife like a butcher knife. It, it's obviously a lot mm. of blood that is going to be coming from the victim at mm-hmm. that point. It's going to cover the handle as well and become slippery. Makes it very mm-hmm. easy for the suspect to cut themselves. Um, yeah, so again, I'm right. not entirely you're sure right. if that's exactly what happened, but it's, it's certainly a possibility. And Mm -hmm. I think that the investigators, they could obviously see how brutal of a crime this is, that they knew that DNA was a thing and that it'd be very beneficial in the future. Um, So I think that Mm -hmm. they were just Mm -hmm. trying to do anything they could, even as a a small department, that Mm -hmm. can be very difficult to do. But it seems like they had the foresight to make that attempt. I didn't think of that, too. This is a small, smaller town. Mm -hmm. There's probably a small police force. Exactly. Okay. So investigators also created a composite sketch based on the survivor's description. They said that this, Mm -hmm. that he was a black man with a medium complexion. He was about six foot to six foot two. He had a slender build. Um, He was about 175 to 200 pounds. And it was able Mm -hmm. to determine that he was able to steal the $3,000, which we kind of discussed earlier out of the registers. And I will say right Mm -hmm. now, $3,000 is not worth what was lost. He could have taken the money and just left. Like, if that's your end game, you could have done that and been done. Yes. And this didn't have to happen. Yep. Yep. You could have, if you were hiding in there with a gun, you could have just said... Give me the, give me all your money out of the register. Everybody go back to the meat counter and look away from me and I'm getting out of here. And it was clear that Bud was like wanting everyone to comply. Right. I shouldn't gender, but, oh no, we have a, a, a the description is a a composite, a survivor description. Yeah. So I just, I like to be aware of gendering, but it's. He easily could have been like, everybody go to the back behind the meat counter and I'm slipping out through the front door. And also, I just noticed that this is a very distinct description, like medium complexion, six foot to six foot two. That's tall. You would see somebody coming like that. And to be that slender, like you would 
If you saw this man, you might very well be able to match him up with this description. This is maybe one of the most useful descriptions I've ever seen. It's also kind of an average description at the same time, though. Like, the average mm-hmm. men's height is, what, between, like, 5'11 and 6'1, 6'2 is a typical, or maybe 5'10. Um I guess. And, and I, I guess. 125 See, I to 200 pounds is pretty normal, I think. See, well, it, because of the, it, because they said slender build, that's why I, that's why I thought maybe 175 to 200 isn't common. Because friends, I'm not familiar with the tall world, so for <laughs> me, six foot, six foot to six foot two sounds so tall to me, because well, I am tall. Adam is tall. Adam is six six foot tall, but I have to look. I have to crane my head all the way back to look <laughs> at him. So like anything above six foot, I'm like that's a tall world. They don't like they can reach their cabinets. They don't know the struggle, <laughs> and they so that just seems tall to me. So you're right. This could be a really general. I think it's fairly general. Like yes, it is good to have like all of those things like combined in a description because that obviously just gives you mm-hmm. more. Um, but I think mm-hmm. overall yeah, it's a yeah, yeah, fairly yeah. average description. I um, mean, we'll put up the sketch on Instagram so that you all can see it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but once investigators started to question potential witnesses that were in the area of the Below grocery store, they said that they saw a white car drive down route 17 going north. And the Route 17 is just very close to the grocery store. It kind of runs through the center of town there. And the car mm. was driving away very fast, according to these witnesses. And from, and it, was, it seemed like it was speeding away from the general area of the grocery store. So okay. it's presumed that this likely was the getaway vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, yeah. it sounds like a couple probably. different people saw this too. So I think that's also something really important oh, to okay. note. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And these witnesses also noted that it had Maryland license plates. They didn't. They didn't get a plate oh, number, okay. but they were able to get the state. Which, having an out-of-state plate, that could be some big information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and, good they got that. That. Yeah, and Maryland's that, uh, only about. 270 miles from Windsor. So it's a reasonable distance Mm -hmm. to travel in within a couple of hours. And Mm -hmm. this led a lot of journalists to debate the idea of an accomplice and a getaway driver. Hmm. And the idea of accomplice would potentially be reinforced three months later. About 115 miles away. What? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, okay, thank you. I'm going to put a pin in my questions then. <laughs> well, we have, I, we're, we're almost done with like the facts. Um, we're going to, we have a lot of discussion to do at the end of this because we, we don't right. have a ton as, more beyond this. As we say, interesting. <laughs> right. Um, and about 115 miles away in Raleigh, North Carolina, another grocery store mm-hmm. was robbed and two employees were murdered. On the evening of September 19th, oh. in 1993, Michael Trulove, who was 20 years old, and John Ray, who no. was 27 year old, 27 years old, uh. was they were both were shot in the back of the head when they were closing the Food Lion grocery store uh. in Raleigh. 
Oh my gosh. Both 20 men. 20 and 27. They were very young. Yeah. Um, both men were directed to the back of the store before they were shot. Elmer oh. Ray McNeil Jr. and his brother, Robert Anthony McNeil, were both charged with these murders. Elmer mm-hmm. received the death penalty, okay. but was later resentenced and received life in prison. And his sentence was revised in 2009 after it was determined that his defense counsel failed to show evidence that he suffered from depression and physical and childhood sexual abuse. And also his brother was sentenced to life in prison. So they were able to fairly quickly determine that these two people were the who committed these two murders. Do you know what Elmer's sentence was revised to? I don't. I struggled to to figure okay. out a lot of these details. I found like a ton of articles mm-hmm. that like touched on different pieces, but it just felt like things were missing well, out of a lot of the articles. If he received If he received the death penalty, then it was probably revised to something like life in prison, I would imagine. Yeah, I think what it was, I think... Because they only was, couldn't it, prove that he was depressed and had physical and sexual child abuse. So he still killed these people, though. So yeah, I, well, still, I, like, think, I think what it was... To, I think it was 2009 when his the he was removed from death row. And, he, he was, and then mm-hmm. it was switched to life in prison at that point. Um... Mm-hmm. Again, I wrote this a few weeks ago. I should have really brushed up on this. Um, but no, no I think it was at I'm that point wondering. that he received life in prison at, in 2009. But previously, okay. he okay. was on death row with a, uh, mm-hmm. a, the death and sentence. De- death row in North Carolina ain't no joke either. Right. And so it was, it was determined. These Two crimes were two separate incidences. No. Yes. Which is just mind-blowing. Like, three months apart, very close to each other. Like, just mind-blowing Same details, like, walk to the back of the store, shot in the head, like, they were closing up the store. Oh, I wanted this to be related. And Even though you told me up front. Even though you told me up front. <laughs> right. Um, Elmer McNeil, he actually borrowed the firearm used in the food line shooting shortly before the crime. Um, so that means he wouldn't have had it for the other crime. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. that it, it, he would have to use the same weapon, but just yeah. interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. after the crime, he told multiple people that he was responsible for the murders, but he didn't mention anything okay, well. about the below murders. So he didn't brag to his mm. friends about that one, but he did about the food line murders. What an like, idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm glad you're caught. <laughs> Dumbass. Dumbass, you deserve to be caught. Like, I mean, you deserve to be caught anyway, but like. Just walking around telling people, like, right. remember that 20-year-old and 27-year-old who were just getting ready to start the, the their own lives? I murdered them. Isn't that cool? Like, right. what? 
Yeah, no, it's not cool, and I'm glad I'm glad you got caught, man. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> so this investigation really just had to take a different turn and, and just go into a different direction. So investigators started to look at former police um, who had potentially been relieved mm-hmm. from their duties and former military. And okay, okay. I don't believe any leads came from this. I couldn't find any. And mm-hmm. one thing that seems off to investigators was his weapon choice. Suspect used a forty-five caliber handgun. Yes. When police, they, they frequently go with a 9mm. So mm-hmm. they're As thinking like... For some, for some reason, when you told me that it was a forty-five caliber that he shot them with, I Googled it on my phone on what a forty-five caliber looks like. And, like, it just pinged for me as well. Like, that's a strange gun. Mm-hmm. And the description of it said, like, it'll get the job done, but it's mostly good for self-defense. And yeah. it's not, they, like, they, it's not the official weapon of a police. Like, it says... Exactly. It, appro- uh, it yeah, it's, it basically says it'll, it'll shoot, but it's more of a protection style gun yeah and that's what makes it so interesting because if he's saying he's a former cop right it just seems odd that he would choose a 45 caliber like there's there's a whole lot to it like maybe he didn't have access to another type of gun like there there could be so many different things with that but it was just that's a that's a kind of interesting thought process with it and then going on what you were just saying with it being more defensive Stacking people on top of each other is not necessarily going to give you what seems to be the wanted result in shooting both people with one bullet. Yeah. Because that's kind of what it feels like he wanted to do. And that's Mm -hmm. just not the right weapon for that. And thankfully, it's not so that we could have some survivors here. But have these. Yeah. Have these survivors. But yeah, you're totally right. Like that's. Uh, the idea of like stacking them and then using a forty-five caliber—that seems odd. And then I do, I am happy that the police clocked like a former cop would have gotten a gun in nine millimeter. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really glad that the cops were like, mm, I don't know, I don't know, Joe. Well, I this think is you're this lying. next part's also was kind of interesting with the idea of it potentially being a cop and like kind of really uh-huh. kind of pushing the narrative of like we really don't think it is is we still don't know if his gun jammed or if he only brought three bullets with him. And there's a lot of speculation that it was only three bullets. And I don't know how we exactly know that. I'm I'm assuming it comes from witness statements of like how they described it. Um, I I say, I don't, I don't know enough about guns to know if it's like, clear as day if it jammed or if it ran out of bullets. I don't know if it makes different sounds. I, I know nothing about any of that, but I believe I believe when a gun jams, it's going to give you a sound that's like a shot, but it sounds wonkety. Oh, and okay. when a gun is out of bullets, you're just going to hear the trigger pull. Okay. So it's like a so, little click type of that's thing. That's what I, that's Yes, that's when you get the click, click, click. That's right. your out of bullets. If you jam, it makes kind of like a smash in there. Almost, and it almost sounds like you fired the shot, but you've not. 
that's that's what I've come across in my research on guns. Again, I am not a gun <laughs> aficionado or user at all. You know that if you've listened to this podcast. I only know that from working with a blank gun in theater. Right. But yeah, so that's an interesting thought is like if he only had three bullets. Yeah. Then there's like what? the question of how prepared was he really? Did he stay in the store and really <laughs> see that there were the six yeah. people there? And that's how he knew to call out the last cleaning crew member who wasn't by that meat counter. Or did he go in there mm-hmm. knowing that there would be six people and also knowing he only had three bullets? Like we, we don't know any of this. This is all speculation, but it's a really interesting thought process of like, what could have really been the plan? What could have happened? Yeah. What? Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe it's just local lore that, like, the three-bullet thing came from. But I think if he brought just three bullets, like, don't get me wrong, I would never do anything like this. This is so brutal and horrific. But if I were to, I would bring more than three bullets. Well, my theory, and again, this like, make this very clear, this is my theory, because this is just from reading articles in the newspapers, Um, but my theory Mm -hmm. is that he knew he was low on bullets. Um, I think he might not have Mm -hmm. even known exactly how much he had, but not a full Mm. magazine. Um, that's just my personal thought because Mm. I think that is why he stacked everyone. I think he knew he had to conserve bullets and he didn't expect to have potentially as many people there that day so yes, once he I'm, saw that yes, he I, thought he had to stack because that was his way of being able to kill everyone oh it's disgusting but i that is exactly what i thought as soon as you said that maybe he didn't know that the cleaning crew was supposed to be there that night and maybe he thought it would just be the closers of the store yeah and Ugh. i think that's also like, why how he long was he how long was he watching this play? Like, it just, well, that's it another interesting like, thing is like, how long was I he think watching? I have this further in my script down, but sorry, it's really sorry. interesting to me that the store closed early that day for cleaning and mm-hmm. he was waiting mm-hmm. that day. Like it was outside of the normal schedule. Cause you don't, you don't do like floor waxing super consistently yeah. in a store. Like that's, Maybe a couple times no. a year, maybe every handful of months, mm-hmm. if that, mm-hmm. in a lot of yeah, these stores. For sure. For so sure. it's like, did he, was he going to be in that store for hours preparing for the normal closing time? Or did he know it was closing at six? Like, this is a right. small town. It could have been in the newspaper. It could have, it could have been posted up publicly. Right. But I right. don't know. Or it's, had a sign on the door or yeah. something. And it's, I also, I, I can't fully wrap my head around why he let Jasper go unharmed. Um, I just, it, it's, it's, it's really. I have a comment. I'll hold it. Well, Jasper went through a ton of very intense interrogations through all of this because it's like, are you involved? Oh, like, are you? Because you're, you're the oh, only wow. one who's okay. Oh, um, wow. And wow, it wow. was really determined that he had zero involvement in this. Good. Of course. Yeah. Stabbing his own brother. And 
Also, though, I was going to say something that is a little dark and a little grim, and it's a little... It makes me... But I think it informs something about the suspect, which is, I think it is sort of a cowboy justice style thing to kill a bunch of people and then leave one person and be like tell everybody what happened here yeah it's that's all i can think that's the only reason i can think other than he ran out of bullets which it sounds like he did um but he didn't stab jasper to death so that's the only thing that I can think of. Well, I also think about it as, like, you're next to, to the tell. deli and the meat counter. There's mm-hmm. more than one knife. There's, there, like, mm-hmm. yeah. undoubtedly there's more than one knife. So he made a conscious decision yeah. to not grab to, another one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and let him go. Yeah. After he knew he had seen him. So that's that's the only reason I thought it brought up in my head that cowboy justice that he was so this this suspect is so confident that he's like I'm gonna leave one of them alive and be like tell tell everyone what you saw here yeah you know like exactly and just like the wow. the line like wow. I'm I'm gonna let you live I'm I'm gonna let you live yeah and you're gonna be a hero like I really think that like I, as I said earlier this sounds like a Ew. movie. And I really think that's exactly. what he's going for. And I think that's what you're alluding to as well, is it's like, exactly. it's cinematic. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like this man, this suspect, is living, he thinks he's living in a movie. And also, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but I hate shortening of names or nicknames or any kind of cute things for people who you don't know well. And for mm-hmm. him to call him Big Man, it seems like, condescending, like your child. Up. It's very, it's very condescending, and that he called him Big Man makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Also, the whole statement makes me want to throw up, but right. Big Man, ex- extra, extra. Right. And, and as I mentioned just a moment ago, Jasper was so heavily looked into as a possible accessory to this crime, but he was ruled out. Wow. Um. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's just no leads and investigators still had just so many questions. Was this man local? Mm-hmm. Um, and they do believe that he was local or that he minimally knew the area and the layout of the store. Because mm-hmm. as we mentioned, like he knew he mm-hmm. could walk down that aisle and get the dog leashes. Mm-hmm. Grab the le- yeah, yeah, yeah. And most grocery stores do have a similar layout. Like, that's something that to call out. You, you often put the dairy in the back because if you need to just buy a gallon of milk, you're required to walk by everything, and hopefully you'll, you'll pick up a few things. Like, that's all marketing, and that's very strategically done by stores. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, maybe, sure. he, maybe he knew that, like, this is the general layout of how most grocery stores are. That's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. How often do you walk into a brand new grocery store and you, you basically know the whole layout the moment you walk in the door? So I would offer, I would offer before you, um, and you perhaps know this, Rigby is around. <laughs> the pet aisle can often move around yes. in grocery stores. Pet and like so um, I think, toiletries I think and like that sort dude, of stuff shifts. I think this dude knew 
a lot more about this store, like knew where the pet aisle was mm -hmm. because I can't count on the times I've, I've been trying to find the pet aisle in stores. <laughs> right. I, 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 I agree knew. with you. I do I, think that he knew. And another reason I think that he knew is because this wasn't a chain of stores. This was mm -hmm. one singly owned location and they have the ability to right. merchandise however they want. And who knows how different or similar it could be to other ones. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's another reason why he probably right. was generally familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and in addition to that, he had to find a place to hide. Oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. He hid yep. the whole time while they were closing. Exactly. So he, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think he knew. And then, but then there's Which the question. Means I think he was watching. Yeah. I don't like, I, he was, he could have easily been like staking out the place and like knowing that store, or mm -hmm. he could have just been hiding in the store long enough to kind of observe what was going on that yeah. afternoon. But it's like, there's, then there's the question yeah. of like, okay, if he's not from the area, why choose Windsor and why choose below? Like, I, mm -hmm. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, there's a highway that is highly traveled. That's not too far from there. So it easily could have been like a pit stop that this person would make. Like, Let's just say that they're hmm. they're a trucker or something. Like we have no proof of that, just speculation. But that could mm -hmm. be a very easy like pit stop because it's not far off the highway. This is a really rural area. Could know it because mm -hmm. of that and not be from the area. Entirely possible. Mm -hmm. And yeah. a, a pretty big theory that was going around the internet was um, that Windsor potentially was chosen because it has such a small police force and potential lack of resources. Oh. So that oh. was a really interesting thing to me. I, I don't know for sure about that. I just saw that on like Reddit and ton of message boards and stuff. But I think that's it. That's interesting though. Yeah. I think that's compelling. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's compelling. Could be. Yeah. And that, that could go in, coincide with the fact that he also didn't wear a mask and made the conscious decision to leave survivors. Like he, he Those... very well could know the store, but not be familiar with the area and be familiar with the locals. Yeah. Those two details are what blows. I mean, tons of stuff about this case blow my, blows my mind, but it blows my mind. This, that this man was so confident and cool and calm and collected. He didn't even wear a mask. Right. And he left someone alive. Like, that, well, those are two of the things that I'm like, wow. And I think you make a very good point that he could have not been local because then, you know, it, he didn't need a mask. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't think he, he was a local, but I think he was familiar. I listened to Trace Evidence cover this case. And if you haven't listened to Trace Evidence, highly recommend it. Um, he does really great deep dives into cases and put, puts forward information very, very well. Um, and he was one of the only podcasts I have seen cover this case. Um, and mm -hmm. I want to kind of give a shout out and have everyone listen to that episode. Cause it's a very, very well done episode. And I, I wanted to use it in my research we'll, just because there's not a, a ton yeah. of research in this. And we'll, We'll tag them in our oh, Instagram post. 
mm-hmm. and you can go to Spotify or I'm sure they're wherever you listen to podcasts and find it that way. But we will tag them as well. Yeah, they'll be in the show notes, everything. Um, I, I highly recommend them. I listen to them a lot. Um, they're, they're a really great podcast. Um, definitely go check them out. And they mentioned in their episode that Windsor had a pretty big drug problem. Um, I didn't find it in my research. I did review all of his sources that he, he put in his show notes because I wanted to try to attempt to find more references I haven't found yet. Um, but he did cite a ton from newspapers.com. And honestly, we're still new podcast. We're not making any money. We don't have mm-hmm. paid subscriptions to anything. Um, so I was able to see we like don't some newspaper.com money. <laughs> right. Um, so I saw like little clips and snippets of some articles, but he had quite a few attached that I just didn't have access to. Um, so I'm assuming it's within there because based on everything I've ever heard him do, he's very detailed with his information. Um, so I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I think that that probably came from those, those articles I just couldn't read. Um, <laughs> but they mentioned, like, damn, <laughs> right. Someday, someday we'll start making at least a little bit of yeah. money where we can pay the like $10 a month for <laughs> newspapers.com. Absolutely. Um, but he, he mentioned in his episode a theory that the suspect could be angry with some of the recent crackdowns that were happening in the ju- drug industry in that area. And that might be why he said he was a cop. So that mm. was interesting to me because I kind of see where that's coming from. Like, I'm not sure if I fully buy into it, but I very under, underst- much understand that line of thinking because apparently Windsor at that point had this drug issue and they were bringing in other departments and like ways to really crack down on this. And it sounds like they were doing a pretty uh-huh. good job with it. So if you have this mm-hmm. big drug runner who is traveling, which I think is is my theory this guy was a traveler and he would pass through Windsor Mm -hmm. um, and he's making some good Mm -hmm. money off of this small town who's hooked on whatever drugs he's selling and then suddenly his his income's kind of drying up because these people are getting busted and I I get get the line of thinking I understand Uh, it yeah what I don't understand is like didn't he say he was like a Former cop, like he is said, he, he was a, a former that he was, cop like, that um, was that. Well, I think he, he was alluding to the fact that he was fired, and he said it was over a drug bust. Oh, okay, okay. Like he okay. specifically called out it was a drug bust that went bad. So, it, the the theory okay. makes a lot of sense to me. Sorry. I don't know if I personally believe it, but I totally understand where that's coming from and why that is a theory to be discussed. Yeah. 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 And he also mentioned in his podcast, um, the fact that the suspect was so calm and collected, could that be because he was potentially on some sort of drug at the time that was kind of like dulling Mm. down his Hmm. emotions? Honestly, I have no idea. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know what drug that would be. I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> well, 
Um, let me uh, let me let me throw out a couple <laughs> things here, because uh, I don't know anything about anything, and I didn't see nothing about nothing. I don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> but I know uh, that if you were going to organize a plan like this so specifically where you had to stack these people and get them all to the meat counter and round them all up if you were on something that makes you calmer or something like that would inherently be a sedative medicine yeah so i don't know i don't know if you would be able to execute the plan the way this man did if he was on a heavy sedative that's why i'm like i don't know my thoughts because yeah i feel like it it would have to be a sedative otherwise he might be a little more manic right but right like he i think he would be much more manic if he were on drugs and it were not a sedative but if mm -hmm. he was cool and collected then he would have been then the drug would have been sedative. Yeah. So um, those are just my thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I thought it was, it was worth calling out because it is a really interesting thought, especially when you tie it to the other theory. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that there is the potential that that's correct. Um, I personally think it's a little, mm-hmm. it's, it's not. But that's, again, we, like, we don't have all the information. Like, all we're going off of right. are little bits and pieces and trying to pull out theories here. Um, right, absolutely. Yeah, and, and Trace Evidence also believes that there is an accomplice, and he believes that there was actually somebody in okay. a getaway car. Um, I, again, I don't know if I personally believe this, but I do think it is entirely possible. Um, so Really? I, I do think it's possible. What? And we'll get to it a little bit. I've kind of okay, par- a okay. little bit of why I think it's possible. But I still think I would love that's to hear probably it. didn't happen. Um, okay, I would love to hear why you think this and what brought you to that conclusion. I just am confused about why Trace Evidence thinks this. So I am interested to hear your line of thinking. Yeah, and I, again, I recommend everyone to go check out his episode. I know that there's things that I'm personally not agreeing with, but it's a really well done episode. Um, so, so definitely mm-hmm. check them out. And we'll, we'll get to why I think that in a little bit. Um, but apparently there was one suspect over the years and this suspect has never been named publicly. Um, and eventually, mm. and again, I don't know when this happened, but he was cleared with an alibi, but there was mm. one suspect that the police were focusing on for a while. That's all I know. Interesting. But interesting. Yeah. So in a news report from June hmm. of 2023, which was the 30 year anniversary of the murders, the federal investigators told NBC network WITN that they believe the motive was not money. The motive was to harm people. And unfortunately, wow. I think this is exactly true. I think that money was an extra bonus. He was able to put in his pocket and I had, I think he had zero intention of actually walking out of there with money over harming others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's hard to wrap yeah, your head absolutely. around that, but it's, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to think of that. 
that way because normal folks like us don't think about it that way because exactly. we wouldn't harm other humans. Mm-hmm. But that is wild to me. I wonder if not only was this guy's plan to murder people, I wonder if it was also mm-hmm. his plan to yeah. essentially torture. And I think Ugh. saying that line to Jasper is an absolute form of torture. And mm-hmm. I wonder if Absolutely. he was actually told that line before his brother was stabbed, knowing mm-hmm. that he'd be oh, walking God. away from it. And again, it's such an awful, terrible, morbid thought, but based on yeah. th- what we know, I think that there was a whole lot more to this than just wanting to kill people. I think that there, there was, there was a torture aspect of this. And I think that partially yeah. goes to them yeah, being stacked. I, I think that yeah. building that fear in people. Yeah. He, yeah. He wanted them to be very afraid. They, Yeah. Yeah, I think he knew that this would have an unbelievable long-term mental impact on Jasper. And I think mm-hmm. that that's yeah. why he said it. Like, this is 100% speculation. I think, he, I think speculation. he was relying on it. Yeah, but... I think he was relying on it. It makes sense to me. It would... Mm-hmm. Um... And especially since we know that there were more knives in the kitchen. Like, that, that's, I keep coming back to that. But it's... Right. Like, he so easily could have stepped away for another minute, probably less than that, to grab another knife. He could have brought multiple mm-hmm. knives yeah, with him when he first went into the kitchen absolutely. and came back out. Um, and I briefly mentioned earlier my thoughts on the gun jamming versus running out of bullets. Um, I really do think mm-hmm. he didn't bring enough bullets... Again, that's why he's stacked. I think if he brought enough bullets, the only reason to stack them is to torture them. So maybe it did jam, but I think I do think the stacking was a form of torture. And yeah, as yeah. as you brought up earlier, yeah. the forty five caliber potentially has the power to to kill both people, but it's, it's certainly not guaranteed. And exactly. I, I feel like exactly. that again goes to a lack of bullets conversation. Uh, I don't know. I, I uh, can't get over the stacking and the fact that it's being it, why like widely reported that he potentially ran out of bullets. That's so interesting right. to me. Right. Yeah. Like more than one. Per- yeah. Um, and Another thing that the the FBI did is they brought in a profiler. And this is kind of where we're going to get into the potential accomplice theory. Um, So one of the biggest takeaways is that they believe whoever did this likely told someone. So this is where I think the theory of a getaway Mm. driver potentially comes in because they think that the suspect has minimally talked about it before. If not having somebody involved Mm. in the crime not physically involved. There was only him in the store. Mm-hmm. We know that. But there could have been mm-hmm. somebody else. Um, but this profiler believes more than anything that this person who knows about the crime is likely a woman who was dating, mm. married, living, living with this guy. Something like that. Which is, again, why I personally uh-huh. don't think they're a getaway driver. I, I think that there's a good possibility he did this solely alone. 
Um, but they believe mm-hmm. that yeah, this yeah. woman is is probably in some sort of relationship with him where if she speaks, it could be harmful to her. Um, mm-hmm. So really, they're, they're really pushing to try to encourage this woman to come forward. And again, profiling is not a perfect mm-hmm. science, but they obviously yeah. are educated on a whole lot more than we are when it comes to analyzing a a criminal based on the crime scene. Um, But Mm -hmm. I I found that really interesting that there's, there's a real push to try to get potentially this person to come forward. And there is currently a $30,000 reward. And um, Mm -hmm. I do want to give a couple phone numbers and then we'll do our kind of debrief talks. I know that you have a lot of comments on this, (laughs) Um, but if you have Mm -hmm. any information, you can call 252 794-3111 or you can call 800-334-3000. Um, so any information that you, you may have from this crime in 1993 in Windsor. Um, I, I, would, I would love to see more information come forward about this crime. I would love to see it solved. Yes. Um, I don't know about the or- DNA that they collected. If there's been new testing, I'm not sure about any of that. I don't know if the funding is there. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. I would love to see some sort of re- resolution and even just more people talking about it. Cause maybe if more people talking about it, yes. more resolution can happen. Absolutely. But I know you have um, comments, so let's get into our like conversation with this. Right. I was going to say, I'll let you say any final thoughts before I start giving my final thoughts. Um, so I think that this criminal, I completely agree with you that I think he is a traveler. I think he knew Windsor as a pit stop, maybe to get gas Mm -hmm. or maybe it was on his route to work. I, I do think that he had passed through there before and had seen it before. I don't know. I I don't know how no he well he knew the store, but what gets me about how knowing the store is how he found a place to hide. Like yeah, like I don't know if there was like bathrooms or something knew. he could have gone into. I'm not. I really don't know. I don't know if there was like a a, a yeah. employee lounge or something break room that he could have yeah. been in. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I. I don't, another thing that I can't make sense of is, I mean, I understand, I don't know why he said he was a retired cop or whatever. That's the, yeah. I don't know why he said that. It's, I I think that's what he, you know what, I changed my mind. I know exactly why he said it. I changed my mind because (laughs) all of these guys, it is a particular type of criminal And I hate them the most because they make law enforcement look terrible when law enforcement has issues. But these men make law enforcement terrible because they fail out of cop school and they wanted to be a cop their whole life and they can't do anything. So they're just going to become a criminal and tell people they're a cop (laughs) or tell people they were in the military or tell people this, that and the other thing because that's what they wanted but they didn't get it 
and now they're extremely angry. I definitely so think that's a that possibility. I also think that he could have absolutely zero relation to law enforcement, and he thought that would be scarier <laughs> to say. Maybe, yeah, that's also possible. Like, I, my, and it's I so hard to my tell. Last, my last final thought is the same final thought we always talk about, which is like, if you have any information, come forward, and not just if you're in Windsor, North Carolina, because this this suspect could be traveling. They had potentially so Maryland a, license plates if that was their car. Like, yes, he could have easily yes. been from Maryland. Yes, so come forward, even if you hear something. I know I, I use this example all the time. It's one of my favorites. Even if somebody crazy told you something crazy in a bar, report it. Because that could be the tiny thing that cracks this case. I can't believe it's been so long for such a brutal crime. Right. And that is why I think he's a... That is why I think he travels through the place but doesn't stay there. Because I figure if he had stayed there, these guys were doing all they could. They were bringing in more cops to help with this investigation. Yeah. I think if he lived there, they may have caught him. I think so, too. And I also, I, I'm i not sure how familiar you are with this case. I'm, I'm very familiar with it. And someday I would love to cover it. I would love to bring my sister mm-hmm. on for this episode because I know that she's done a lot of research on it um but the brown's chicken murders which happened in the suburbs no, here no idea. in illinois oh we'll have to cover that well i'm gonna give you a little bit of a spoiler we'll Ash, wait but... a while to cover it so hopefully you don't remember okay um, okay but someone came oh, forward years worry. later mm-hmm. and someone someone said that my i think it was her ex-boyfriend is responsible for this murder mm-hmm. um and yes anything that's major like... i think that's such it, it's I wish it happened sooner, but I have to applaud the fact that it happened. Yeah, we'll have to bring Ash on. Like, because, yeah, any little tidbit, any crazy thing that your weird ex told you, like, just like this girl in this other case Sam just mentioned, any crazy thing your ex told you, what the weird drunk at the bar said, what you overheard at the bus stop, like, just... Send it in yes. because there are families who have no justice right now and they deserve it. Absolutely. Um, so I do want to read these phone numbers once more. Um, you can call mm-hmm. 252-794-311 or 800-334-3000 to give information. Again, there is a $30,000 reward. Um, but do you, do you have any last little comments? Not for me. I I said a lot today. I think um, because I was just so shocked. It's a shocking by case. all the details. And you told me you told me before that I would be. And and it. And I've been telling you this for and weeks. I was. I had a, I had this case prepared yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and I changed it. <laughs> um, but I've yeah. been like, I, this yeah, has been in my back pocket for far too long of not being able to talk to you about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I think I talked so much during this episode and during Final Thoughts that pretty much what I've said is just come forward if you do know anything. Yes, please. Definitely. But thank you all for listening to Have You Heard About This Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can find us on Instagram at uh, Have You Heard About This Case Pod, on TikTok at HYHATC, or you can email us at Have You Heard About This Case at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll talk to you later.